0: Today's scripture reading comes from John twelve, twelve through 19. Hear the word of the Lord. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival had heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word many people because they had heard this heard that he had performed this sign went out to meet him so the Pharisees said to another see this is getting us nowhere look at how the whole world world has gone after him this is a word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. I love the gospel of John. I got the opportunity to begin studying it in depth in an undergraduate class maybe six years ago or so. And ever since then, God has used it to bring a lot of healing into my life and to lead me into a deeper relationship with him. And every time I get the opportunity to come back to the Gospel of John, I'm just so grateful. And so I'm very, very grateful to have the opportunity to preach on a passage from this Gospel today. Before we dive into our specific passage, I wanted to give you a little bit of background about the gospel itself and the surrounding context of our passage. So the gospel of John is the last canonical gospel to be written, and the author was very specific in purpose of writing. In John 20:31, he tells us his purpose is so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I love that. I love that he tells us this is the whole reason i'm writing every time you open up this gospel my hope is that you find a way to believe in jesus more fully and to receive life in his name that's so awesome if you read the book of john from start to finish you'll find that it kind of neatly breaks down into two halves you have the first half, which is commonly referred to as the Book of Signs, and the second half, which is commonly referred to as the Book of Glory. So, the Book of Signs focuses on this bird's eye view of the ministry and miracles of Jesus. And it leads up to this climactic moment with Jesus standing outside Lazarus's tomb and saying, Lazarus, come out. And you know what happened? He came out. He lived. He had been dead in the grave for days, and he came forth. And many people came to believe in Jesus as the Messiah at that moment because they saw this amazing miracle. And then the Book of Signs kind of closes on this cliffhanger with the Pharisees plotting to kill Jesus. And then we open up the Book of Glory. Now, the Book of Glory is a close-up view. It's no longer a bird's-eye view, but a close-up view of the last week of Jesus' ministry leading up to the cross and the resurrection. And we open up the book of glory, and Jesus is again hanging out at the home of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. And Mary is so moved to ha- show this outpouring of love, and she anoints Jesus' feet with oil. and Jesus says that this is preparing him for burial for his burial. We see this shift in his ministry. He's on the road to glory. And then many people hear that Jesus is hanging out in Bethany, and so crowds come and join him. Many are believing in him, and the chief priests see this, and they grow even more frustrated, and so they say, you know what, it's not enough to plot to kill Jesus. We've got to kill Lazarus too, because he's the reason they're coming to believe. This guy can't catch a break. Like, he dies, he gets raised back to life, which is awesome. And then the chief priest who he probably looked up to at some point in his life, want to kill him because people are believing in Jesus Christ. It's a rough life for Lazarus, but he's not the focus of the passage today. So this is what has happened. This is what leads us up to the moment that Jesus decides it's time to go to Jerusalem. And that's where our passage picks up. Jesus is going with these crowds from Bethany, and the word spreads, and people hear that he's coming, And because he raised Lazarus from the dead, people want to come out to meet him. They're like, he could be the Messiah. We've got to bring out the royal welcome. And that's what they do. They come out. They're calling out to him, quoting Psalm 118, which was interpreted as a messianic passage. They say, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They're truly treating him like royalty here because they're expecting him to come as a conquering king and overthrow the Roman Empire and set them free. That's the hope. That's what they want to see. They misunderstand the biggest problem in their life, to be living under the Roman rule. Forget sinfulness, forget separation from God. If we just get out from under Roman rule, everything will be fine. Life will go back to what it should be, what we've always wanted. They are hoping for a Messiah, and they're placing their hope in Jesus. And here's the kicker. They're believing in the right person, yet they still miss the point. How often do we do that? How often do we believe in Jesus and still miss the point? That's where the crowds are today. And then Jesus does something unexpected. He wants to make his point clear. You see, in a royal procession, you would expect a king to come riding on a horse, or maybe even in a chariot if they had a big army. That's not what Jesus does. It's what a political messiah would do, but that's not Jesus. Jesus finds a donkey, an animal, a beast of burden, an animal that represented someone who was coming to bring peace. So Jesus finds this donkey and he rides that into Jerusalem. And by doing this, he's fulfilling a prophecy from Zechariah about a king who would bring peace. Jesus is on the road to glory, but he makes it very clear that his glory is different from what the world expects. He's not going to be overthrowing the Roman Empire as a strong political power. His glory is not about earthly power. His glory is about supernatural peace. The Son of Man was lifted up on a cross. His glory revealed through the most shameful way, the most shameful way the Romans could think of to kill a man. Jesus is on the road to glory and he knows his hour is drawing near. In the passage immediately following ours today, Jesus reveals that the time has come for the Father's name to be glorified and for the Son of Man to be lifted up. He knows where the road he is traveling leads, and yet he walks it in peace. He walks with humility. Even on the road to glory, Jesus is teaching us what it means to follow him. It's very clear that the crowds and even the disciples still don't understand. John even says that the disciples did not understand at the time, but reflected back later when Jesus was glorified. The crowds clearly don't get it. When Jesus tells them the Son of Man must be lifted up, they freak out a little bit. Many people leave and stop following him. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. You see, when the Pharisees see this way the crowd is welcoming Jesus on Palm Sunday, they grow even more frustrated with the people following after Jesus. They can't see past their own foolish pride, and they continue plotting to kill Jesus. Now, the Pharisees are a very real group here. I don't want to diminish that in any way, but I think there's more to the story. I think in this passage, the author wasn't just representing a religious group, a religious sect of Judaism, but he was representing the human condition. The Pharisees were blinded by their pride, the root of all sin. Even the crowd may have been Blinded by nationalistic pride and seeking out a political messiah. This sinful pride is the reason that Jesus was walking on the road to glory. Friends, we are the Pharisees in the story today. We are the prideful sinners in the crowd. We are the reason Jesus walked the road to glory. We see this striking contrast in the passage of sinful, prideful humanity standing out against a very humble king. Behold your king. Here's the good news though. Jesus stayed the course, he didn't get sidetracked by the accolades, he didn't grow fearful of what the Pharisees might do to him, but he walked confidently and humbly the road to glory. He was lifted up. But more than that, as we get to celebrate next Sunday, he lives. Did you hear that? He lives. We get to reflect today as the disciples did, according to John. Just as the disciples, seeing Jesus glorified, reflected back on what the events of Palm Sunday meant, we get to reflect back today we get to look back at jesus humble royal entry and thank him for bringing supernatural peace we get to thank him for teaching us how to walk in humility because jesus walked the road to glory we have been set free from the powers of sin and darkness and pride we are free to praise him our humble king now fully glorified Let us respond in praise and thanksgiving. Let us follow his footsteps and walk in humility, peace, and love. Recently, one of my professors at seminary was talking about the problem with pride. And one of the things that he said about it really stuck with me, and especially as I was preparing today's sermon, it was just sticking in my mind, so I figured I must must need to share it. He said that the opposite of pride is not simply humility. The opposite of pride is love. I'll say it again, the opposite of pride is not simply humility. The opposite of pride is love. You see, true humility that comes from Jesus is first rooted in the love of God. We cannot walk in humility as Jesus walked if we have not experienced the transforming power of God's love in our lives. So let our roots grow down deep into the love of God that we can walk in humility like Jesus did on the road to glory. So that we can be his hands and feet in this world today, bringing the love of God to our neighbors. This morning, our confirmands affirmed that they will serve as Christ's representatives into all the world. And friends, we are all called to that. That's not just for these kids on the front row. That's all of us. We've all received a calling to bear witness to Christ. We've all received a calling to walk in humility and love and serve our neighbors just as Jesus did. Are you walking with Jesus on the road to glory today? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that even in the face of death, you walked humbly. You brought peace. We thank you that because you walked the road to glory, that we can experience freedom from sin and pridefulness, that we can experience your amazing healing and peace. We pray that you would fill us up with your spirit, that we might experience the transforming love of God, and that we can be a witness to our neighbors this week during Holy Week and throughout our whole lives. We thank you for your sacrifice, and we praise you, our humble king, today. It's in your holy and righteous name we pray, amen.